Camp Camp Radio. Radio. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Perridge, and I'll be your host. After a challenging year for worship pastors trying to conduct worship virtually, the question of what will worship look like in the future of the local church, uh, that really comes to a common question for most people. And today we have with us uh, Scott Shepard. He uh, is the worship and music specialist at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Scott, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Good to be on Camp Radio today, buddy. Well, you know, you have so many, uh, so much knowledge and resources uh, going across the state, talking to uh, music worship pastors uh, of small and large facilities, and and you can have this better insight of what's going on in general uh, about how churches are conducting worship. But I, I, before we kind of get into that, I want to really let everybody know a little bit about you. Um, I know you have not worked for the convention very long, so it's been, what, maybe three years? Actually, four years, four years. June, so we're getting pretty close on four mm-hmm. years, and uh, loving it. Yeah, I'm the worship and music specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, which in a nutshell means that I'm the consultant that uh, consults with over 3,000 Tennessee Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. Um, everything ranging from worship copyright questions, which were very big over the last 14 months, of course, to mm-hmm. uh, uh, how to stream uh, worship search teams. Yesterday afternoon, I was training a worship search team over in Rutledge Falls, Tennessee. I uh, also do a lot of filling in for other worship leaders, especially mm-hmm. over the summer. Uh, yeah. So they want a vacation and perhaps can't find someone nearby. So I was at First Tullahoma yesterday, and I'll be somewhere different every week through July 26th presently. So love that. Um, Obviously, a lot of worship conference planning. We've got some regional worship summits coming up uh, late July and early August. I'm working on those right now. And I also have the joy of directing the Tennessee Men's Chorale and Tennessee Ladies Chorus, basically uh, some choirs comprised of worship musicians from across our state. So a lot of diversity, but I love it very much. Right. And right now you're probably doing some preparation, practicing, especially with the men's corral ready for the uh, our state convention in November, right? That's right. That's right. In fact, we had a big concert with the men uh, the end of April, April 29th, at the first Bowling Green across the state lines there, oh, yeah. a little mission trip to Kentucky. <laughs> and uh, so had a, that was really our first time singing together since last January before the pandemic hit. So we're getting ready for Summit. Uh, but even before that, we're heading to Guatemala on a mission trip, September 20 through 28 with wow. the men's group. And I uh, saw the ladies' chorus back in April 25th as well, had our first concert since last January too. Yeah. So it's been a, good to kind of finally see them again after a long hiatus. I know you're extremely busy, like all the other specialists in our state convention. And, and we're, I, I know our churches are very grateful to have you guys uh, available. And it's hard to believe. I sit here in East Tennessee, and I don't. I travel some, but not like you do. And you're every Sunday at a different church across our whole state, which is pretty incredible. So I really appreciate the work that you do. Well, I'm happy to do it. I tell you what, it, it's uh, busy, but I tell folks often it's also extremely fulfilling. Mm-hmm. You know, and I enjoy what I do so much. And 
And uh, so you don't mind being busy as long as you're happy doing it. And there's no question about that. Well, let's talk a little bit about worship. And, you know, I don't know, I really haven't heard very many podcasts on what worship is looking like in the local church. Mm. I know it's kind of up in the air and we all hope everything's going to go back exactly the way it was. And, And I think even on our podcast, we've talked to a lot of different pastors, youth pastors, and just trying to kind of predict what tomorrow's uh, worship would be like, tomorrow's church. And it's hard to tell. You know, we're just kind of guessing. But I think working for the state convention, you have a better look of what's happening. But let's, let's start off with what was worship ministry like before COVID? Good question. You know, one of my I guess my greatest joys in serving with the mission board is, as I mentioned a minute ago, filling in at so many other churches. Mm -hmm. And normally, Kevin, when I go to those places, I have their local worship pastor, worship leader, plan the worship service uh, because I don't want it to be Scott Shepard carrying, you know, his style, his preferences to all these places. So I really get a good taste of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think if you were to look at one word to describe Tennessee Baptist worship, it's just diverse, Kevin. You know, every place I go is different. You know, one week I'll be leading at First Nashville, which Mm -hmm. has got the grand pipe organ and maybe some brass players and a wonderful robed choir in the choir loft and great acoustics. And then the next week I'll be, you know, playing in a worship band, right? Playing guitar or playing keys and uh, just, again, great diversity there. Uh, we see even diversity in you know who's leading of those worship services, mm-hmm. whether you've got the classic minister of music and a choir, or you've got a more contemporary worship leader with a worship band, whether you have piano and organ versus a rhythm section and worship band. Um, you've got some churches that are still more liturgical, right, mm-hmm. uh, right. driven, and you've got some that get together Sunday mornings and, you know, what, what hymn do y'all want to sing today? You know, <laughs> so it's really hard to put, put your finger on one thing that Tennessee Baptists are like, um, except for that word diversity, right? right? They're trying to honor Christ, trying to equip and contextualize their worship for the people that are gathered. And Tennessee Baptists are diverse, so so is the worship for those folks. So looking at the past during COVID, what was worship like? Well, you know, I think the, the biggest change initially, of course, was just going online. You know, all of a sudden when Uh, We were quarantined and uh, people couldn't gather together. And sometimes you couldn't even get a group of bigger than five or 10 people. So these worship pastors had to adjust very quickly. So for some, it was learning how to stream for the very first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I got some questions, you know, what's a simple way? How do I get on Facebook Live? How do I put a video on YouTube? And for others, it was taking what they've been doing for a long time but really making it better. Uh, Because let's be honest, we put a lot of energy, many of us, myself included, Mm -hmm. we put a lot of energy into what we were doing in that live environment. But it was a very poor reflection when someone watched it on television or online. It sounded bad. It looked bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, So all of a sudden, we had a big impetus to increase the quality of what we were doing online. So that was one of the biggest adjustments. And and um, even if the worship pastor isn't in charge of AV at his or her church, it still is a very close relationship in working through those things. So very quickly, the worship pastor had to adjust and learn that world very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, part of that, even with the church copyright licensing, you know, when all this happened, so many churches weren't streaming. So therefore, they didn't know the legality involved in it. So I probably had, you know, three 
calls a day just in asking, what licensing do I need? Uh, which eventually led to us having a worship copyright webinar. We had like 200 people from around the U.S. Wow. just to learn about worship copyright stuff. Hmm. I think some other changes just naturally were with singing. Um, I think many of you have either read online or in the newspapers about super spreader events from choirs and things like that. And right. As much as COVID can spread through normal communication and things like that, um, when you sing, you're spreading those droplets and aerosols a lot faster. So mm-hmm. therefore, you know, singing was affected deeply early on. Yeah. Uh, some didn't do congregational singing for mm-hmm. quite some time. Um, but even others, you had choirs that couldn't gather together, or if they were, they were wearing masks and very socially distant. So often you had these churches that had always been very choir driven, mm-hmm. all of a sudden having a worship team on the platform since they could spread them out, or you had a single person. Um, so it really, it changed and made people adjust very, very quickly to what their worship services looked like. Mm-hmm. And I think it really simplified things in some ways. Um, you know, you had less involvement, um, which was tough for these worship worship pastors, uh, but even finding time when do you rehearse, mm-hmm. right? You know, if you're not, you're not gathering on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights anymore. So how in the world do you make those things happen? So, so many adjustments, but those were some of the things that were um, most impacting mm-hmm. in not being able to sing, not having your choirs, having to spread out so much and then being online so quickly too. Don't you think that during that time, those, that, that year of, uh, you know, us trying to do it virtual, many churches didn't gather for months Mm -hmm. Uh, and when they try to do it on facebook live you know they would have try to have a little music having worship in preparation to hearing god's word is key to us just god opening our heart and softening our hearts to listen to his word how did that how do you feel like that impacted our churches oh i think deeply i mean and no matter how hard you try no matter how hard you work um, it is very difficult for an individual or a family sitting at home uh, to participate. And, you know, we want when we're involved in worship leadership, we're trying to get the congregation singing and being involved together. Sure. And when you're behind a computer screen, you can't really trust that. So finding new ways to engage those people to be involved and uh, having a chance to not just observe and be passive in a worship service, but to be active. So one of the early articles I shared was just in creative ways to be engaged as a worshiper from your home, which was so different than what we're used to from church. Well, it's so much, it was easy to, to uh, drink your cup of coffee and, and have breakfast while you're having worship service. Right. It's right. actually really kind of nice. Exactly. There, <laughs> there, there's some beautiful parts of it. You know, the, the good part is you could kind of crawl out of your bed or just lay there in your bed and have your cup of coffee and be in your pajamas. Yeah. The challenging part is, you know, how do you keep engagement and how do you not treat watching an online worship service like you do watching your evening sitcom? Exactly. And, and those are very different experiences. So yeah. how do you treat that online worship gathering like it's a worship service that mm-hmm. I'm offering myself in worship and uh, that was the challenge for sure well and uh, and as we come out of this it, it, things have got easier for most have you have you found that there are still some churches across our state that are really still struggling to get i know in the state of tennessee we've opened up quite mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. but uh, have you found that some of those churches are struggling getting back into sunday morning worship the well, smaller certainly. churches yeah yeah I, th- I think i've heard from more who are having some struggles 
than I have from those who have just gone back and been, been in perfect shape again. You know, I mean, um, many of our churches are trying to get their members to come back again, to return after that long hiatus. Um, and some have 80% back. Some are closer to 40 or 50%. Well, that's just take your choir or your worship ministry or your mm-hmm. instrumentalist. And that's the same same case. Sure. You know, many of these folks, they were not in the routine of being part of your choir for 14 months. Uh, maybe they weren't playing their instruments as regularly, all those things. So how do you re-engage those folks into the things they were doing 14 months ago when they're out of the practice of doing it? Right. So I think many have faced that struggle, uh, but it's also been a way for them to think creatively about re-engaging. And when they restart back, what do I want to look different than it was 15 months ago? I have this this great time for a fresh start. So what are those things that I want to look different moving forward? Yeah. Well, and, and during, uh, during the past year with the virtual, I've seen uh, several churches who, uh, you know, they would have their their choir uh, singing at home mm-hmm. and they put those I think that's great. I mm-hmm. think it's awesome to be able to see that. And, right. and I talked to our music guy and mm-hmm. he, he said, that's a lot of work, but I mean, but it was incredible. It, yeah. it, you know, I, I always enjoyed listening to that, but with our church, our church's course has uh, began back and we have quite a few people who are coming back. So we're very excited, mm-hmm. but our, our choir is still kind of, we still have them all spread out. Mm-hmm. We're having a choir, but right. you know, we have a large choir loft, so there's plenty of room. And uh, so it, it didn't quite look the same, but it, it's neat to be able to hear those voices again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost, you tell me that worship time it's almost like we have been away from family for a long time Ooh. and we come together and we begin to sing together as a, as a family and to be able to hear part of our family lifting up to Lord in the choir yeah. as special music. It just seems like a special time. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, in all honesty, from my home, I can still to a degree have that vertical nature of worship. I can pour my praises out to God. I can recognize him for who he is and what he has done, but you cannot recreate that horizontal nature, the community, the koinonia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason that Paul speaks about speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And the, the reality is, is that that fellowship part of worship is key as we're edifying and building up the body. And we've missed that deeply. So I think that's probably one of the hugest factors that we've enjoyed in getting back together again. So how has this impacted uh, music ministers, worship pastors, volunteers that, uh, that lead our, our worship? How has it impacted them during this time of you know, struggle with COVID? I think like it has many in our larger society. Uh, number one, you feel a sense of isolation, mm-hmm. right? You have that less connectivity to the people that you're used to ministering to. Uh, I think so many of these um, men and women are used to being able to see their people in person and disciple that way and to lead them and make music together. And all of a sudden you you lost that completely. And that was a challenge. Uh, but I think even uh, Beyond the isolation, there's just the stress of new types of ministry. You know, I I think, you know, many of these worship leaders have been leading for 30 years and they have their weekly routines down. And here's what I do this time. And Wednesday nights, I'm having my choir rehearsal. I do this then and I'm planning worship Monday. And then all of a sudden, all the familiarity and the comfort of that regular routine was just lost. And you had to learn brand new things of how to stream and how to create this wonderful, clean video presentation of a worship service. So all the familiarity and the comfort 
was thrown out all of a sudden. And uh, so I think many experienced uh, just hurt. I, I talked to some that have d- depression issues and isolation and frustration. Uh, some that some that chose to, to move to different types of ministry just in recognizing, hey, you know, the, the passion that I thought I had here, yeah. uh, now, now I see that it's in, in this different area of ministry. So I think it gave space to reconsider some things but also created some frustration and hurt uh, for those that had to change so quickly. Wow. Well, and I know it, it has uh, impacted all ministers in some way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, yeah, I can, I can imagine how worship pastors are, you know, they they've, are trying to lead people in worship on Sunday mornings and suddenly it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And to really try to lead someone that they can't see. Right. Uh, virtually, and uh, so I know our our worship pastor. He would send us emails, and he called it. I can't remember what it's called. Now I'm not, I'm not part of the choir. I thought I always got the impression through the email he's trying to recruit me because I wasn't a part, <laughs> part of the choir. Choir <laughs> are recruiting everybody at all times. Don't worry. So I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. So it was like we're having a virtual choir rehearsal. You know, <laughs> and I thought I was kind of curious of what yeah. that was like. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. But so how has worship ministry endured? For the past year, how has it? If you look from the past, look what it struggled, uh, what the struggle was, and as we began to come back, how has it endured through the, this time? I think a big key for the endurance over this past year is in the simplification, making sure the heart of what we do hasn't changed. Um, so, though you may not have everybody together physically, mm-hmm. you can still have a deep saturation of God's word, right? And you can read that to your people over online. So they're seeing what God has done and who he is, right? Um, I think other foundations, you're keeping things Christ-centered, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we're physically together or not, we can point people to Jesus Christ um, as the way, the truth, the life, and what we're doing online. Um, I think the ministry side, the pastoring, right? It may have looked different. Mm-hmm. I, I, we couldn't go sit uh, with the people at the nursing homes or the assisted living for the last year, but we could call them and talk to them and minister and say, hey, what's going on in your life? How could I pray for you? Uh, perhaps we couldn't go on our normal outreach, but we could still find other ways of being involved in those things. So I think what has endured is the overall mission and purpose mm-hmm. of discipling and worship even though it looks different, um, even though the methodology changed. And I think that's going to help us as we emerge from this. There'll be some things that we say, you know what? I really shepherded better over this past year because I did this. So I think the music minister right now, the worship leader is saying, you know, what have I done the last 14 months that was better that I need to keep? What should endure moving forward? And then what are the other things that perhaps I need to get back to what it was like 15 months ago? So what kind of changes that we're going to kind of look into the future now? And uh, with all this knowledge that you're having, we're, of course, we're only guessing here. So what kind of changes do you see corporate worship, if there's any changes, mm-hmm. if we're looking at, uh, say, 2023 or 2024, what do you perceive would our corporate worship look like? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, number one, I think you'll continue to see the diversification that you were seeing even prior to the pandemic, right? I think um, if you listen to the radio, you're not hearing this great convergence of sounds. You're hearing just greater and greater diversity as people are are experimenting with different sounds. I think the church will still have that. And I think in TBC Live, I don't think we're all going to homogenize all of a sudden after the pandemic. I think you're still going to see the, the, the country and gospel churches. And I think you're going to see the very modern contemporary and the traditional. And, and I think you'll see that, but 
you will see some uh, changes. And I think number one is that the world of audiovisual will be mm-hmm. increased. Um, as I train worship search teams, I just encourage them to, to make sure that either the person they're going to hire already understands the world of AV or they have a passion and a willingness to learn. Because in the world of worship ministry, it's just so tied to that world these days. That's going to be happening. I think you're also seeing a sense of Mm cross-pollination, right? I think you've been seeing that even the last 20 or 30 years, but I think you see that even more. Because what's happened is all these churches can now watch every other churches online. And you're getting ideas. You're saying, well, well, well this church does this really well. I want to I do that in, in our worship service. And sometimes that's within your own denomination. Sometimes it's not. But you're, but you're getting ideas and you're seeing from the broader body of Christ what is working. And then you're trying to implement that into your own congregation. I think we'll see that for sure. Um, I think just the, the increased online focus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest changes. There are, there are churches who have online ministers now. And uh, so they're engaging during that worship time, that hospitality, that reaching out and talking. And I think for many, that's going to continue. And even if they don't have that that one person who's online during worship services, they're still putting more emphasis into that world, recognizing that, hey, as I'm leading worship, I'm communicating with the people in the room, but I might need to look at the camera and communicate out there too and just welcome and say, hey, we're glad you're here too. You know, it's just little bitty things that I never would have thought a thing about two years ago that are very real right now in this yeah. new world. I have never thought until you just saw that, this cross you know, learning that they uh, people would engage in other music uh, worship pastors watching other services to get ideas. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I just think, they think, didn't think about this here. You know, if you're if you're worshiping the leader of uh, worship leader at a certain church and in a very rural area, mm-hmm. you may never visit another church. Exactly. Right. And you don't have any new ideas. But now you can gain a lot of new thoughts and ideas that could be inexpensive or, mm-hmm. you know, nothing that would impact your budget at all in which a small church could pick up and really enhance their mm-hmm. worship. That's a, that's, that's such, I hope that people, if you're listening right now, you need to start doing this. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea to help enhance your, your worship time. So. I agree. And I'll say the same for our large churches watching our small churches. Cause I'd venture to say that so many of our larger congregations and pastors don't get a chance to visit the small church and see what things they do so well mm-hmm. and the beauty of the hospitality and the uh, the unity they can share in that small sin that you can pick up and learn, hey, what, what do they do well in that environment too? And uh, so I think you're exactly right. And I think even though there's cross-pollination, there's diversification, I think we can also grow closer together as we share ideas mm-hmm. through these online platforms. And, and as, as we kind of round us up to the end here, I wanted to ask you, and I think that a lot of churches, uh, usually bigger churches, they'll uh, take some time to go away, take their choir, and they'll go on a retreat for, you know, usually maybe do some preparation for an Easter mm-hmm. cantato or uh, Christmas uh, musical or something like that. And they'll go away for a night or two mm-hmm. and just practice. Do you think that uh, the future, that that's going to be different now? Well, I'll tell you, I, mean, I, I know that worship leaders and pastors and church leaders in general are trying to ascertain and determine their new vision for the future, right? Things may change, but I don't think regardless of what those changes look like, 
there will still be a need for retreat, mm-hmm. right? Sure. I think, number one, you take about all these choirs that are trying to rebuild, to regather, to get everyone back. What better way to do that than say, hey, we're going to have a kickoff retreat, you know, and, and go off for a weekend or a, a one-night gathering. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, when you do that, you build relationships in ways you can't build over an hour, hour and a half rehearsal. Um, and I think if you want to have a choir stick together, then build the fellowship and relationships. And I think a retreat can do that. I think, but even in the music making, I mean, you you only have so much time in one rehearsal per week if they come to that rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, so getting together for a weekend allows you to really prepare music for a whole semester uh, so that you're in rehearsal time. You've got more time for team building and for discipling mm-hmm. because you're not having to just slave over every single note of the music to get ready for Sunday. So you can focus on other things that we should be focused on and uh, having time for discipleship. So I, I think... Though things may look different for worship ministries, and and I would extend that beyond the choir too. You know, get your worship band or your mm-hmm. worship team away for the weekend. Uh, take if you've got a worship committee, go off and and think over a year of your worship plans. Think about the identity and the philosophy of your music ministry, but don't you can't do that over an hour. Go off right. and have a retreat together at one of our conference centers. So I I think there are many many opportunities, and those will not be lessened. Um, in need because of what we just walked through. In fact, maybe more increased now. Yeah. And I remember that uh, when my wife and I were part of a choir before we had kids, we Mm -hmm. had more time. But uh, those are some special times. We would go away for, do preparation for a a, a Christmas uh, play. And it was more than just learning the music. We got to know each other very well. And there was a difference coming in choir, say, hey, how you doing? Uh, versus come in and say, hey, you know, what's going on with your family? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, have you went uh, fishing lately? Right. And you, you actually have a relationship. And it makes that more enjoyable that you're a part of a bigger ministry together mm-hmm. in your choir. So I, I always thought it was kind of a, a neat thing to be able to have the opportunity to do that. I agree 100%. Well, Scott, thank you for coming and uh, joining us today and just sharing uh, just about your knowledge of uh, of what's going on uh, across our state with uh, worship music and the future. And uh, just hearing you kind of describe what you perceive worship to be is exciting to know, you know, things are not going to be like it was. It's going to be even better. Right. You know, so, Amen. so Amen. I'm excited. Good work. Well, Kevin, thank you for having me. And uh, I pray this is an encouragement. And uh, if anyone ever needs my assistance, obviously reach out anytime. That's right. Uh, Also, those who are listening to our podcast today, thank you for listening. And if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please leave a comment or follow us, and that will help others to be able to to, uh, listen to this great resource. We would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions for Scott or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.